Hello and good morning, Jennifer. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you? Absolutely fantastic. I think that this book should have come with like some sort of soundtrack. Dun, 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 dun. And, and, and a narrator <laughs> that goes, meanwhile, we're going to check out this next uh, animal that is not looked upon as being a safe animal. <laughs> I, I I think that would absolutely uh, enhance the, the experience of the reader if, if there was such a soundtrack. It had to be fun to put this together because in reality, so many of us want to, we want to buddy up with all shapes of animals and their sizes because, I mean, we have a zoo just right down the road here that, that saves uh, wild, uh, you know, the big cats, but they're not so friendly. That is correct. Um, and I think that that you started with a really brilliant point um, that we do um, because of the internet and different memes and social media. We think that a lot of animals um, are really cute and they may be really cute, but they also have a fierce side. And, you know, by and large, we should leave them alone. <laughs> Well, see, see, I feel the same way about the deer that are in my forest here in South Charlotte, North Carolina. I mean, those bucks, I swear that they, they, they want to come up and kick my butt is what they want to do with, with that rack on their head. And it's like, okay, I respect you. You do what you got to do, but please don't attack me. That's, that's correct. You know, they, have, they need and they deserve their space. And uh, it, should we decide to intrude in that space, um, a lot of animals will absolutely come after you and uh, remind you that they uh, need to have that bit of territory for their own yeah i thought the crocodile was just a u.s kind of thing only to learn that what they're in the nile as well oh yes yes the the nile crocodile is actually one of the more, more fierce um reptiles that, mm. that lives on our planet um the, you know all of the crocodiles um, I would definitely leave alone. <laughs> I would never, I would never bother any of them. Um, but yeah, the saltwater crocodile um, is is definitely right up there. That's one of the things that when you, when you walk through Charleston, you go back into the, some of the parks and things like that. I mean, they've they, they've got signs that actually say "Watch out and be aware of the alligators." And 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 that just you know you sit there and you think, really, I th is this a movie? What's going on? But th this book really does identify with with a younger generation that hey, look, you you got to pay attention wherever you go. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I have a friend who lives in Florida and their take is that if you see a, you know, a standing body of water, whether that is a runoff ditch or whether that's a, a pond, you should assume that there is an alligator in it, <laughs> you know? And um, I think that that's really an important thing for, for kids and quite frankly, adults that, to understand. I'm a big elephant fan. In fact, if you saw this studio, you would see amazing elephants inside this room. They're all over the place because they're so positive. And yet I'm learning in this book, the elephant roar is it's not exactly your best friend. No, no. Um, if you hear an elephant roar, you are in trouble. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. So, again, that's another animal that we, we tend to, you know, um, just have as sort of you know it's, it's a stuffed animal it's um on online um but yeah if you hear that roar um you should watch out because it does have that tusks those tusks and um that trunk which it will use to to strike a blow oh my god yeah and protective oh my god when the elephants are together whoo the bull is is unbelievably protective 
Absolutely. Yes. Uh, as is the matriarch of the, of the herd. Those mm-hmm. are very, very, you know, when it comes to offspring, um, and just in general, that's when animals tend to be their most fierce um, and protective. Um, again, even animals that you don't necessarily think that would be protective or that um, could, you know, do a lot of damage. Absolutely, if they're protecting young or eggs. The book we're talking about is Deadliest Animals on the Planet. I I study animal behavior as well as spirituality, and I've always believed that we can learn the art of survival just by watching the animals. I think that that is a a, a great take. Um, I think that all animals do have physical adaptations um, that help them to survive in in their environment. but I think the lesson that we can learn from that is how important our environment is for us um, and how important it is that we be able to share that with other people or with other people, of course, with other people on the planet, but also with other creatures. Is, you know, there's my, the, the weird guy inside of me wants to ask a stupid question in the way of, are you going to put this in animal speak so that you can call it the deadliest animal on the planet is the human? Um, so that is true. And, you know, that was one of the things that actually struck me as so interesting when I was a kid. Um, Our zoo, um, I'm from near Pittsburgh, Um, when the last thing you saw before you left the zoo is, you know, come close to see the deadliest animal on the planet. And it was a mirror. Yes. And, um, you know, that... I mean, and I, you know, I'm not not particularly young, so for a long time that has been, uh, you know, ingrained in my thinking of humans place on the planet that we really are the deadliest animal on the planet for so many reasons i was such a big hippo fan for the longest time until they were they were basically transferred into the country of colombia and now the hippo has taken over that entire environment they're trying to figure out how to end that so i'm glad that you put focus on the hippo is not always the cutest animal on the planet no um they are another one where, you know, if you're in their territory, they are very territorial. And there have been so many accounts of, of people who, you know, are, are in a boat. And, you know, again, big animal, big animal, 20-inch teeth, you know, and I know they're sort of famous for being vegetarians. But um, they can weigh up to two tons, and they will heave that bulk against the boat and tip it right over. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The photographs are really special because I, I guess I grew up looking at so many books with just the beautiful photographs. So when I see that, it brings out the inner child. But it's such a major part of this book, Deadliest Animals on the Planet. Absolutely. Um, I was so lucky to work with an amazing uh, team of photo editors um, that I wrote the text. And then it was their job to comb through what I can only imagine must be one of the most formidable uh, photo archives on the planet um, to come up with some pictures that really speak to what the text is saying. And they just did an amazing job. And you also put focus on the animals in the sea or the ocean, because, I mean, so many times we just think of those that are just on land. Right. Um, and again, and I think that you know, that's a, a lot of the uh, animals in the sea aren't necessarily um, as photogenic for for the reasons that they would, uh, the, a lot of the animals online, say, are. Um, the, the lamprey, for example, um, it's, it's basically a, a parasite, and it has just this, you know, alien-looking mouth full of teeth that yes. it uses to attach itself onto its, onto its host. 
and to me, getting to see that, the picture that they, they chose for that one is just marvelous. It just shows how really strange that um, the mouth of that animal is. Well, it's like a modern-day monster is what it is. It's like, man, this was not created in Hollywood. Right, right. Wow. And, and for the billion and one uh, cat people that are listening, the, your house cat can be very <laughs> deadly as well. Yep, absolutely. Um, they, that's another, you know, they're internet superstars, right? Everyone lo- loves a cat meme, in theory anyway. Um, but they are really good predators. They are good at what they do. They are still cats. Um, and they will uh, take down their prey about 30% of the time, yep. which may not sound you know, too impressive until you start to think about, you know, lions and tigers. I mean, they may only make a kill 10% of the time. So, you know, the, the little guys are, are, are definitely deadly also. And dogs aren't so friendly either. I mean, because I mean, my, my own wild dog here has, has done a, a lot of damage and we've just got to, you know, sometimes we have to understand the animal before we sit there and judge the animal. Absolutely. Um, I, you know, I have, again, my path uh, to, to working for National Geographic Kids has just been filled with wonderful people. And um, they have taught me so many different things. And one of them is, you know, <clears throat> someone struck me, told me at one point that, and it really struck me, is that, you know, if your cat, if your house cat or dog was large enough, it would absolutely um, have the ability to, mm-hmm. you know, take you out mm-hmm. um, and might, <laughs> you know, we, we like, we tend to trust animals, but, you know, that's not a perfect system for sure. Wow. What, what is the fascination with the eel? And the reason why I bring that up is because if you go and you see these gigantic aquariums, the eel is always part of it, but they're not so friendly. No, they are absolutely not friendly. Um, they tend to be very shy. Um, you, you know, they're, they're not as most animals, do not choose aggression as their first, right. um, you know, mean of, means of defense. Most, you know, of all my research, I found that almost all animals, even, you know, snakes and, and ones that we really think of as being quite deadly, they would, they would much rather hide uh, for numerous reasons. Um, but uh, the electric eels don't really, um, don't see very well. So um, it's very, you know, they don't have the ability to discern whether you're swimming by just to take a good look at it or whether you're swimming by to, you know, make a meal out of it. So they tend to be a little less, uh, you know, discerning when they let go of that current. You know, you talk about their environment and things, and right away I started thinking about our own copperhead snakes here. And it's like, it's like okay, if, if you don't walk in the backyard and not think about the copperhead snake being back there, then something's really wrong. And I think that's what we need to do is we need to understand the environment of the story as well. Yes, absolutely. Um, you know, one of uh, my friends who is, she's a, a naturalist in here in Pennsylvania, and she, her specialty is herpology. And, um, you know, she says, you know, rattlesnakes, we have the eastern yep. uh, timber rattlers. Yep. And, you know, she said it's always the second hiker that gets bitten because <laughs> it's the first one that startles them and the second one that's falling behind that, that you know, sort of takes the fall for the <laughs> for the first hiker's transgression. Oh, my God. Just, when you talk about that, about the second person, because that I, I got a bow constrictor because we ran into a rattlesnake out in Montana. And I thought, well, I got to learn to love the snake. Well, that bow constrictor was just as bad. I mean, it, it, it bites. <laughs> 
Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> we, we may love them, but they, they don't. Um, they don't reciprocate that love right in the in the same way. Anyway. Oh, so true. Where can people go to find out more about the book and to find out how how National Geographic Kids is constantly in contact with educating our little ones? Um, well, I obviously they could definitely go to the the Nat Geo Kids site. Um, the book is available or will be available at, you know, a local bookstore or your um, online retailer. But, um, you know, you brought up something that I think is so important uh, is that I think kids are naturally scientists, right? Yes, I mean, yes. we say kids are naturally curious, but we don't always frame that as that they're scientists. Um, and I, I really think that they are. Yep. And um, just by turning back a question on them, you know, kids go through a why phase, but asking them questions that start with, well, why do you think this? And why oh, do you think that? Yeah. And then and then figuring that out together. I mean, to me, I think that really encourages kids to, to keep that natural curiosity as they grow. Oh, so true. Well, you be brilliant today. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. Thank you so much. And I appreciate the time. You bet. Be brilliant today.